Good morning, church. Good to see you this day. Pray you are well. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord. Today we are finishing up our series on its war. And if you remember, we started out that series speaking about uh, the intel about the enemy, studying our opponent, understanding his origins and what his plan is. And we're studying him because he's certainly studying us. And then we moved on to a sermon called Fake News, where we talked about how there are those that disguise themselves as servants of righteousness and their tactics in doing that, knowing that the enemy himself presents himself as an angel of light. And last week, we spoke about don't get ready, be ready. Speaking of our Weapons of warfare that God has given us in, and a little controversy came out of that. I had a couple of people come to me and say, Pastor Reggie, why'd you throw the kids um, tape? Why, why, why'd you throw his tailor's tape? The, the, the point in that was he had instructions on the equipment that he was supposed to have, and he was unprepared. And we went from that to speaking of World War II and 500,000 Nazis dying because they were under-equipped and unprepared. And in the context of that, God has given us spiritual weapons. And the question for you is, are you unprepared? We need to be prepared. This morning's sermon is titled, In the Meantime. We are here uh, in this war. This war has already been won. We are fighting a defeated foe, but nevertheless, there are things that are going on right now, and, and what do we do in the meantime? We're going to find ourselves in Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to be reading the first 15 verses. So if you would turn to Colossians chapter 2, I'll be reading this morning out of the CSB. I'll ask you to please stand for the reading of God's Word. It reads this way. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I, am, for I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how 
well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespass, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespass. He erased the certificate of death of debt with its obligation that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He, triumph, he triumphed over them in him. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you how packed it is with gospel truths of who Jesus Christ is, of what he's done for us, of who we are in him, and the things that we are still to be aware of around us. Would you continue to equip us this morning? Would you encourage us, Lord? Would you lead us, Lord? Would you change us, Lord? By your Holy Spirit, by the power of your word, we thank you, Lord, that your word is life, that your word is freedom, that your word is nourishment. So we come to the table today and look forward to what you have for us all. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This um, scripture is packed with so much. The church in Colossae was not visited by Paul, but someone else uh, went and founded that church in his stead. And Paul is dealing with a couple of issues in this church uh, that was prevalent. 
And if you read Colossians chapter 1, you will find one of the greatest descriptions in all the Bible of exactly who Christ is. And it was very good reason for that because in this church, uh, they were not considering Christ the God-man. And, and they were being introduced a false gospel. And outside of that, they were uh, others came into the church, and this was a mostly Gentile church, and telling them, in addition to Christ, you need to also do these other outward things for God to be happy with you, to him, for him to be pleased with you, for you actually to be truly saved. And Paul was bringing correction of those things along with them having this fascination with the spiritual realm, with angels, with dreams, and, and these things that would lead them off track. And what Paul was saying to them is, you have all you need in Christ. So, so when you have some time, read through the letter so you could better have context of what is going on here in chapter 2. But there's some specific things that we want to speak about this morning uh, when it comes to this chapter and the topic we've been going through for this past month. First, here it speaks about the, uh, their acceptance of Christ. And he's urging them to continue to follow Christ. As we know um, in the parable of the sower and how seed has fallen on uh, different types of ground, um, in the same way, filled in the church are those that are deeply rooted in Christ, um, those that are... Uh, coming to church because uh, they think that they can appease God by their religious behavior, um, those that are actually wolves in sheep clothing, uh, those that are Christian in the sense that it is their cultural understanding of who they should be. These are all different types of people that find themselves in the church. So when he's saying, make sure you continue in Christ. Don't be led astray. So he says in verse 3, in him lies hidden all the treasures in wisdom and knowledge. So, so often, many look for these other experiences to verify their knowledge of God, thinking that there are some secret portals that you go through and that you would be a super Christian, and Paul is warning against that. He's also stating in verse 5, live as you should and make sure that your faith is strong. The Christian life looks like something. 
Uh, there are many that call themselves Christians, and when you look at their behavior and the things that they do and, and what they trust in is contrary to what they are saying. So he says, be rooted. Make sure that your roots are growing deep. Make sure that you are building your life on the foundation of Christ. Verse 7 says, being rooted and built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were taught. And, and, and you know what being rooted does? It makes you more and more aware of who Christ actually is and our deep need for him. And because we are prone to stray, because we have weaknesses and recognize I can't get through this without God, even as his children, sometimes we are not faithful. And we recognize how different we are than him, just like the scripture that Deacon Frankie read in Isaiah 6, when a true picture of God is shown to us. One, it reveals how holy he is. And how undone we are that we aren't even worthy to stand in his presence outside of the blood of Christ, which has washed us clean, which has given us entrance into God's presence where the veil was torn. What that does for the believer is give a sense of deep gratitude and thanksgiving and praise. That is why we raise our hands. That is why we sing these songs. That is why tears fall from our eyes. Thank you, God. It's not a day that I don't wake up and thank God for his mercy and grace in my life. The things that I have done, walking alongside others that are no longer here, that are still suffering many of the consequences of their actions. For some reason, God said, not this one. I can't take credit for that. Not this one. So just the gratitude in our hearts where we recognize what he has done should be an overwhelming act of daily worship to him. I like verse 10. It says, and you have been filled by him. In another translation, it says, you are complete 
through your union with Christ, you are complete. You are complete. Sometimes we fall in love and we meet a person and we say things like, you complete me. Let me put this delicately. I, I'm just trying to think of how to say this and be like, no, I love you, my wife. <laughs> she, she doesn't complete me. God completes me. As believers... We many times don't feel complete. But through your union with Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You have everything you need. You are complete. God is all sufficient. big part of what God has done in our lives and what this text speaks about is this idea of circumcision. Part of what was happening there in that church was they were being told, you must be circumcised. You, you have to show through this outward expression that you are one of God's people. Paul addressed it in many places through the scriptures and Jesus as well about your outward circumcision to circumcise are actually not all circumcised in their heart. That God would perform a spiritual circumcision. The, the cutting away of your sin nature. You were ill-equipped before your sin nature was cut away to even resist sin. You were bound by sin. You were dead. You were a slave to sin. So, so we may think to ourselves, Am I even saved then because I still sin? Yes, you still sin. Sin is in our lives. But sin is no longer ruling over our lives. It's been said that, that sin is still present, but sin is no longer the president. There was a time that everything we did was what I want, my motivations, 
me appealing to whatever I feel, these senses needing to be constantly fed, which we spoke about the other night and, and saying, no, no, the eye is never going to see enough and say I'm satisfied. The, the ear is never going to hear a song that is beautiful and then come to the place where I never need to hear a song again. The taste buds will always want to taste new things and more things and a lot of things. And, and that's where I'm careful. Fe feeding those senses has led us where sin was just in command of our lives. But although it's present, it is no longer the president. It is no longer the motivation for everything we do. Matter of fact, that inner turmoil, that fighting back and forth shows the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because when you were doing whatever you were doing, you didn't even care. The, the only thing you cared about was the consequence you had to pay when it went the way you didn't want it to go, which was often. But, but it wasn't an internal fight and struggle. Verse 12 says that um, you were buried with his baptism. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And, and, and then it goes on to say, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God. So the old man is dead and you have new life raised with Christ. And then he forgave all your sins. He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. And in the court system, you may or may not know this, that's called despunged, right? It does no longer exist. You can't even open that up, erase the certificate of death with its obligations. You just can't take an eraser, make it go away. No, took it away by nailing it to the cross. You, you can't make something just go away. Somebody was going to pay the debt, and someone paid the debt on the cross, and that was Jesus Christ. But with that said, the enemy, although he is defeated, at this present time, he is still on the loose, so you are to stay alert. Paul here gives a couple of tools for you to use to make sure that you are staying alert. He says, be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. We are to 
encourage one another. We are to stay knit together. And the thing that's going to knit us together is love. The way God loves us is um, it's not based on the object that he's loving. Because based on that, especially for one, the one that sees everything, the one that knows every thought, once in a while, someone can approach you, let's just say your spouse or your child, and you can keep the right face on, you can think the wrong thing and say the right thing, and their response is from you having the right face and saying the right thing, maybe even doing the right thing, although you thought the wrong thought, your motivations for doing what you did might have not been totally pure. Let's just say, I just don't even want to fight this battle right now. I'm just going to let this one go. But their response to that is in the affirmative. It's positive because in their minds, it's like, I'm loved. This person wanted to do that. God knows even our motivations. Every thought. So every single thing that is going on with us, he knows. And he loves us. With all of that information. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think, if I had a superpower, it would be to read people's minds. That would be the worst superpower you could actually have. Imagine just going to your mom and what she's thinking. You're like, mommy. <laughs> you, you'd have no relationships. But God loves us with all of that information because it is not his motivation, is not the object that is being Loved. He loves because he is love. He loves us because of Christ and who we are in him. This is important, and I lingered here for a minute because the first thing that Paul is saying here for us is to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. Um, the more you know a person, the more you will find things about them that are unlovable. And yet God calls us to draw closer and closer together, which means the closer and closer we draw to each other, the more we have deeper inspection, the more we could say what we like and what we don't like about a person. But what we like and what we don't like is not the same thing of being knit together in love. 
So the challenge for the church is don't allow the enemy to not have us united for us not to be separated over things that each and every person you will discover things about even your pastor some of y'all I already knew that Knit together by strong ties of love. Us coming together and being united and spending more time in fellowship is not for us to have a club. This love of us joining together is to be about his business. Let me just put it this way. We were on the battlefield, and I got beef with someone that is wearing the same uniform that I have on. And there's another person that's just been like ride or die. This has always been the person with me. Now the enemy is coming. Who do I think going to have my back at a greater level? So at the end of the day, though, even that other person with the same uniform on, we all got to fight together because somebody's going to die here if we don't. We, we, we have a mission. And if we allow these other little pieces to get in, the enemy has room to infiltrate. Paul also speaks about here having complete confidence, understanding God's plan. We, we, we need to know God's plan what God has already done, what he's doing, and what he has promised. We need to have complete confidence in that because when we see things that are like bumps in the road in our mind, we can't forget that God has a plan and none of his plans are going to fall short. Everything that he calls to be done will be accomplished. There's a story about this boat going down and a ship and, and the captain getting off the ship and going to shore. And, and then they start questioning the captain, what are you doing here? He said, look, I thought it'd be better for me to plan the rescue mission from the shore. What? That's, that's not the kind of God we serve. That's not the one that is the head over the church. He's leading the way, and he is all-wise, all-powerful, everywhere, always. The um, text in verse 3 is, In him lies hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. So I'm telling you that this that this, so no one will deceive you. You need to know all in all is in Christ, and the reason you need to know that is so that you're not deceived with well-crafted arguments, with arguments that sound reasonable. 
And then in verse 8, it speaks about don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, with high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking, philosophies and empty deceit based on human tradition and from spiritual powers of this world rather than Christ. So, so the enemy is still trying to take down as many as he can. He knows his days are numbered. And as history winds up, he's going to be more and more ferocious and aggressive. But we got to remember a couple of things that we've learned in the last couple of weeks. Remember that the fight is not against people, but the enemy uses people. Remember the scripture, it says, and no wonder for Satan describes himself as an angel of light. So it was no great surprise if his servants also describes themselves as servants of, disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Remember, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Remember, you are called to stand against the schemes, to withstand in the evil day, to stand, therefore stand. He is a defeated foe, but he's looking to try to take us down. And, and, and in these verses, we see God's plans are wrapped up in Christ. It says, in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. That's what verse 9 is basically saying. In Christ lives all the fullness of God. You want to see God? Look at Christ. Christ is the head over every ruler and authority. He, he, he said this to these people for a very specific reason. Like I said, they were being attracted to these supernatural phenomena. They were being attracted to angels and these spiritual things that were going on. And he was saying, listen, the angels are worshiping Christ. Don't worship the angels. Worship Christ. He speaks about us knowing God's mysterious plan, which is Christ in us, he tells us at the end of chapter 1, which is victory through the cross. Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. But listen to their title. Listen to their names, their position, spiritual rulers and authorities, those that have dominion over the lives of those that are blind, which were all of us at one time. You can come up, worship team. The question becomes, how is all of this going to end? 
tells us in Revelation chapter 20, starting at verse 7, when the thousand years are complete, Satan will be released from his prison. He was bound for a thousand years. I don't know all the understanding of how that works, but that's what it says. And it says, and he will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them in battle. Their numbers will be like the sands of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the, the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the end. That is the destination for Satan and the demons. Imagine when we are not here anymore. And, and there is a new heaven and a new earth, and we are no longer bound by sin. One, you're going to get a new body. I, I, I'm ready for my new body. I, I, something happens every day in my body. And I'm trying to, to hold it together, but there's no holding it together. I, I just need a new body. Your, your, your desires are going to be different. The, 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 those things that we desire that we know we should not desire, even if we don't uh, uh, act it out, it still creeps in. That's going to be gone. The, 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 the way we, because of protection, sometimes are like sinister. When someone says something to us, and we're like, mm, what's my history with them? Why do palms feel sweaty? Can I trust this? That's going to be gone. We're going to be sitting down with prophets of old, talking to them about how God brought them through. We're going to be able to see grandma and introduce her to my wife. My goddaughter who left at six years old will be able to interact my mother-in-law, who I had to use a translator to be able to speak to her all these years, and I know people weren't always translating exactly what I said. <laughs> We're going to be able to talk uninhibited. Be able to play catch with my dad 
Revelations 22 says this. And he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing, for healing the nations. And there will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants what must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had shown them to me, but he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you, your brothers, the prophets, and those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he said to me, don't seal up the words of this prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let the unrighteous go on in unrighteousness. Let the filthy still be filthy. Let the righteous go on in righteousness. Let the holy still be holy. Look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me to repay each one according to his works. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Let's look at the songs that we sang this morning. Both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. 
Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life freely testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. And if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city, which are written about this book. He who testifies about these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with everyone. Amen. Would you stand, family? I pray that everyone in this place knows him. Maybe this day he has spoken to you in a way that he's never spoken to you before. Maybe it's the first time you truly heard him. The scriptures just, we just read shows the bad news as well as the good news. But this day, as you stand among the living, God is calling, saying, come. Saying, put down your pride. You can't do it alone. You can't wash away your sin. You're guilty. You are all guilty. And God took away our guilt. He nailed it to the cross. He's given us freedom in him. So would you come? Would you, would you come to the place where you say, God, I need you? Would you repent of your sin? Recognizing that one day you're going to be standing face to face. Your knees are going to bow either way. Either willingly or by force. But you will bow down. We lift up holy hands to a God. Not because we don't make mistakes. Not because we don't sin, but we are no longer sinners. We are called saints. And even when sin is present, it's not the president. It's not what rules over our life. And that is only because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. So if you are in this place, and God has truly spoken to your heart, And calls you to come. Walking down the aisle of a church. Does not make you saved. 
It is your heart. Of stone being replaced with a heart of flesh. It is your eyes being opened. Where like we sung, you would be able to say, I was blind and now I see. This runs much deeper than your emotions. Oh, when it happens, you know, and it's permanent. If that is you this day, you recognize your need for the cross, I'd ask you to come forward that we can pray for you and that you can be counted among the saints that used to be called the sinner. But as they sing, I'm going to give you a moment to come. Don't let this time pass away. It's much bigger than making a statement in front of others. This is between you and God. In the meantime, let's just worship through this song. Brittany. Thank you.